Question 34 of Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Tertia Pars, Treatise on the Saviour, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 34. Of the Perfection of the Child Conceived. In four articles. We must now consider the perfection of the child conceived, and concerning this there are four points of inquiry. First, whether Christ was sanctified by grace in the first instant of his conception. Second, whether in that same instant he had the use of free will. Third, whether in that same instant he could merit. Fourth, whether in that same instant he was a perfect comprehensor. First article, whether Christ was sanctified in the first instant of his conception. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ was not sanctified in the first instant of his conception. For it is written in 1 Corinthians 15.46, That was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, afterwards that which is spiritual. But sanctification by grace is something spiritual. Therefore, Christ received the grace of sanctification not at the very beginning of his conception, but after a space of time. Objection to further. Sanctification seems to be a cleansing from sin, according to 1 Corinthians 6.1. And such some of you were, namely sinners, but you are washed, but you are sanctified. But sin was never in Christ. Therefore, it was not becoming that he should be sanctified by grace. Objection 3 further, as by the word of God, all things were made. So from the word incarnate, all men who are made holy receive holiness, according to Hebrews 2.11. Both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. But... The word of God by whom all things were made was not himself made, as Augustine says in On the Trinity 1. Therefore, Christ by whom all are made holy was not himself made holy. On the contrary, it is written in Luke 1 verse 35, The holy which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And in John 10 verse 36, whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world. I answer that, as stated above in question 7, articles 9, 10, and 12, the abundance of grace sanctifying Christ's soul flows from the very union of the word, according to John 1, verse 14. We saw his glory, as it were of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For it has been shown above, in question 33, articles 2 and 3, that in the first instant of conception, 
Christ's body was both animated and assumed by the word of God. Consequently, in the first instant of his conception, Christ had the fullness of grace sanctifying his body and his soul. Reply to Objection 1. The order set down by the Apostle in this passage refers to those who by advancing attain to the spiritual state. But the mystery of the Incarnation is considered as a condescension of the fullness of the Godhead into human nature, rather than as the promotion of human nature already existing, as it were, to the Godhead. Therefore, in the man Christ, there was perfection of spiritual life from the very beginning. Reply to Objection 2. To be sanctified is to be made holy. Now something is made not only from its contrary, but also from that which is opposite to it, either by negation or by privation. Thus white is made either from black or from not white. We indeed, from being sinners, are made holy, so that our sanctification is a cleansing from sin. Whereas Christ, as man, was made holy because he was not always thus sanctified by grace, yet he was not made holy from being a sinner, because he never sinned. But he was made holy from not holy as man, not indeed by privation, as though he were at some time a man and not holy, but by negation, that is, when he was not man, he had not human sanctity. Therefore, at the same time, he was made man and a holy man. For this reason, the angel said in Luke 1, verse 35, The holy which shall be born of thee. Which words Gregory expounds as follows in his commentary on Job 18. In order to show the distinction between his holiness and ours, it is declared that he shall be born holy. For we, though we are made holy, yet are not born holy, because by the mere condition of a corruptible nature we are tied. But he alone is truly born holy, who was not conceived by the combining of carnal union. Reply to Objection 3. The Father creates things through the Son, and the whole Trinity sanctifies men through the man Christ, but not in the same way. For the word of God has the same power and operation as God the Father. Hence the Father does not work through the Son as an instrument, which is both mover and moved. Whereas the humanity of Christ is as the instrument of the Godhead, as stated above in question 7, article 1, third reply, and in question 8, article 1, first reply. Therefore, Christ's humanity is both sanctified and sanctifier. Second article, whether Christ as man had the use of free will in the first instant of his conception. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ as man had not the use of his free will in the first instant of his conception. For a thing is before it acts or operates. Now the use of free will is an operation. Since, therefore, Christ's soul began to exist in the first instant of his conception, as was made clear above in question 33, article 2, it seems impossible that he should have use of free will 
in the first instant of his conception. Objection to further. The use of free will consists in choice. But choice presupposes the deliberation of counsel, for the philosopher says in Ethics 3 that choice is the desire of what has been previously the object of deliberation. Therefore, it seems impossible that Christ should have the use of free will in the first instant of his conception. Objection 3 further. The free will is a faculty of the will and reason, as stated in the first part, question 83, article 2, objection 2. Consequently, the use of free will is an act of the will and the reason or intellect. But the act of the intellect presupposes an act of the senses, and this cannot exist without proper disposition of the organs, a condition which would seem impossible in the first instant of Christ's conception. Therefore, it seems that Christ could not have the use of free will at the first instant of his conception. On the contrary, Augustine says in his book on the Trinity, as soon as the word entered the womb, while retaining the reality of his nature, he was made flesh and a perfect man. But a perfect man has the use of free will. Therefore, Christ had the use of free will in the first instant of his conception. I answer that, as stated above in Article 1, spiritual perfection was becoming to the human nature which Christ took, which perfection he attained not by making progress, but by receiving it from the very first. Now ultimate perfection does not consist in power or habit, but in operation. Wherefore it is said in On the Soul 2, 5, that operation is a second act. We must therefore say in the first instant of his conception, Christ had that operation of the soul which can be had in an instant. And such is the operation of the will and intellect, in which the use of free will consists. For the operation of the intellect and will is sudden and instantaneous, much more indeed than corporeal vision, inasmuch as to understand, to will, and to feel are not movements that may be described as acts of an imperfect being, which attains perfection successively, but are the acts of an already perfect being, as is said in On the Soul 3.28. We must therefore say that Christ had the use of free will in the first instant of his conception. Reply to Objection 1. Existence precedes action by nature, but not in time. But at the same time the agent has perfect existence and begins to act unless it is hindered. Thus fire, as soon as it is generated, begins to give heat and light. The action of heating, however, is not terminated in an instant, but continues for a time, whereas the action of giving light is perfected in an instant. And such an operation is the use of free will, as stated above. Reply to Objection 2. As soon as counsel or deliberation is ended, there may be choice. 
but those who need the deliberation of counsel as soon as this comes to an end are certain of what ought to be chosen and consequently they choose at once from this it is clear that the deliberation of counsel does not of necessity precede choice save for the purpose of inquiring into what is uncertain but christ in the first instant of his conception had the fullness of sanctifying grace and in like manner the fullness of known truth according to john one fourteen, full of grace and truth wherefore as being possessed of certainty about all things he could choose at once in an instant reply to objection three christ's intellect in regard to his infused knowledge could understand without turning to phantasms, as stated above in question 11, article 2. Consequently, his intellect and will could act without any action of the senses. Nevertheless, it was possible for him, in the first instant of his conception, to have an operation of the senses, especially as to the sense of touch, which the infant can exercise in the womb even before it has received the rational soul, as is said in On the Generation of Animals 2, 3, and 4. Wherefore, since Christ had the rational soul in the first instant of his conception, through his body being already fashioned and endowed with sensible organs, much more was it possible for him to exercise the sense of touch in that same instant. Third Article whether Christ could merit in the first instant of his conception. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ could not merit in the first instant of his conception. For the free will bears the same relation to merit as to demerit. But the devil could not sin in the first instant of his creation, as was shown in the first part, question 63, article 5. Therefore, neither could Christ's soul merit in the first instant of its creation, that is, in the first instant of Christ's conception. Objection to further, that which man has in the first instant of his conception seems to be natural to him, for it is in this that his natural generation is terminated. But we do not merit by what is natural to us, as is clear from what has been said in the second part, in the Pars Prima Secundae, question 109, article 5, and in question 114, article 2. Therefore, it seems that the use of free will, which Christ as man had in the first instant of his conception, was not meritorious. Objection 3 further. That which a man has once merited, he makes, in a way, his own. Consequently, it seems that he cannot merit the same thing again, for no one merits what is already his. If, therefore, Christ merited in the first instant of his conception, it follows that afterwards he merited nothing. But this is evidently untrue. Therefore, Christ did not merit in the first instant of his conception. On the contrary, Augustine says, increase of merit was absolutely impossible to the soul of Christ. 
but increase of merit would have been possible had he not merited in the first instant of his conception. Therefore, Christ merited in the first instant of his conception. I answer that, as stated above in Article 1, Christ was sanctified by grace in the first instant of his conception. Now sanctification is twofold, that of adults who are sanctified in consideration of their own act, and that of infants who are sanctified in consideration of not their own act of faith, but that of their parents or of the church. The former sanctification is more perfect than the latter, just as act is more perfect than habit, and that which is by itself than that which is by another, as Aristotle states in the Physics 8. Since, therefore, the sanctification of Christ was most perfect because he was so sanctified that he might sanctify others, consequently he was sanctified by reason of his own movement of the free will towards God, which movement indeed of the free will is meritorious. Consequently, Christ did merit in the first instant of his conception. Reply to Objection 1. Free will does not bear the same relation to good as to evil, for to good it is related of itself and naturally, whereas to evil it is related as to a defect and beside nature. Now as the philosopher says in On the Heavens 2.18, that which is beside nature is subsequent to that which is according to nature, because that which is beside nature is an exception to nature. Therefore, the free will of a creature can be moved to good meritoriously in the first instant of its creation, but not to evil sinfully, provided, however, its nature be unimpaired. Reply to Objection 2. That which man has at the first moment of his creation in the ordinary course of nature is natural to him. But nothing hinders a creature from receiving from God a gift of grace at the very beginning of its creation. In this way did Christ's soul in the first instant of his creation receive grace by which it could merit. And for this reason is that grace, by way of a certain likeness, said to be natural to this man as explained by Augustine in his Enchiridion 40. Reply to Objection 3. Nothing prevents the same thing belonging to someone from several causes. And thus it is that Christ was able by subsequent actions and sufferings to merit the glory of immortality, which he also merited in the first instant of his conception not indeed so that it became thereby more due to him than before, but so that it was due to him from more causes than before. Fourth Article Whether Christ was a perfect comprehensor in the first instant of his conception. Objection 1. It would seem that Christ was not a perfect comprehensor in the first instant of his conception for merit precedes reward, as fault precedes punishment. But Christ merited in the first instant of his conception, as stated above in Article 3. 
since therefore the state of comprehension is the principal reward it seems that christ was not a comprehensor in the first instant of his conception objection to further our lord said in luke twenty four verse twenty six ought not christ to have suffered these things and so to enter into his glory but glory belongs to the state of comprehension therefore christ was not in the state of comprehension in the first instant of his conception when as yet he had not suffered objection three further what befits neither man nor angel seems proper to god and therefore it is not becoming to christ as man but to be always in the state of beatitude befits neither man nor angel for if they had been created in beatitude they would not have sinned afterwards therefore christ as man was not in the state of beatitude in the first instant of his conception on the contrary it is written in psalm sixty four verse five blessed is he whom thou hast chosen and taken to thee which words according to the gloss refer to christ's human nature which was taken by the word of god unto the unity of person but human nature was taken by the word of god in the first instant of his conception therefore in the first instant of his conception christ as man was in the state of beatitude which is to be a comprehensor i answer that as appears from what has been said above in article three it was unbecoming that in his conception christ should receive merely habitual grace without the act now he received grace according to john three thirty four not by measure as stated above in question seven article eleven but the grace of the wayfarer being short of that of the comprehensor is in less measure than that of the comprehensor wherefore it is manifest that in the first instant of his conception christ received not only as much grace as comprehensors have but also greater than that which they all have and because that grace was not without its act it follows that he was a comprehensor in act seeing god in his essence more clearly than other creatures reply to objection one as stated above in question nineteen article three christ did not merit the glory of the soul in respect of which he is said to have been a comprehensor but the glory of the body to which he came through his passion wherefore the reply to the second objection is clear reply to objection three since christ was both god and man he had even in his humanity something more than other creatures namely that he was in the state of beatitude from the very beginning end of question thirty four read by michael shane craig lambert l c